0: Good evening and welcome back to Home Theater United. This is episode 41. I'm still Sam Poston. And tonight I have two amazing guests. Uh, first up is Home Theater Forum's own Brian Ralston. Uh, Brian, you want to say hey? Hey. So Brian's been <clears throat> on the Forum probably as long or longer than I have. It and was like
1: my big hobby when I was I in know. college.
0: I know and we, we did get to meet a couple times out there in Hollywood so'll we'll, we'll, we'll definitely bring that up soon. Um, but with Brian is an amazing director, Chris Chan Lee. Chris, you want to say hey hello, hello. And Chris do you go by the full three names or is just Chris okay or how do you prefer to be addressed?
2: I Chris is I, I mean in conversation talking to friends and, and everyone and you et cetera like just Chris is, is great. So
0: okay, yeah. awesome. Well, uh, Chris has directed at least four movies that uh, that I noted on IMDb. Originally, I thought it would, this was your second one, uh, but I got to watch your latest movie, Silent River, last night, and I loved it. It's it's definitely right up my alley, and we're gonna talk about that. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's just jump in with Brian. Brian is the composer on Silent River, and. Uh, those of you who have been longtime members of Home Theater Forum know that we like to um, to promote Brian's work, and, and this one was great. Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got involved with this, and, and what your work's been like on it, and where you're going with it?
1: Sure, um, you know I've I've known Chris now for a few years. We had never worked together professionally. Um, Chris, um, in addition to directing, edits a lot. Um, for other people even as well, not just his own projects. but And he edited um, a film called Jasmine uh, for director-writer um, Dax Phelan. And I there was a sound designer on that film, Lisa Fowl, who is a longtime friend of mine. I've known Lisa since the early 90s in college. And um, I met Dax through Lisa, which subsequently means I met Chris through Dax, And um, so, you know, extrapolate that out of just kind of knowing about each other and and seeing each other at at events and you know hanging out with Dax and all this other stuff. I got to know Chris a little bit. And as Chris came up and um, was talking about this, this project that he was going to direct and it's kind of a passion project that he was editing. um, He ended up reaching out to me and asking me if I was interested in considering scoring it. So that's kind of how Chris and I. Um, got together to start working on this project and you know composers always the last one hired in a project so there was a period of time where chris was off not only writing developing this but then shooting this like you know like he didn't start talking to me about this project specifically um, until he was already in post and and editing um so um yeah so i mean there was probably a good year there where he had kind of disappeared meaning you know he was off working on this thing um and uh that's how i kind of got roped into it and i you know once i saw the material and and knowing chris and his background and and you know he's kind of a rock star in the uh (laughs) asian american film community and um and i just i wanted to work with chris and and this seemed like a great opportunity
0: that's awesome i i know how relationship heavy Hollywood tends to be. And it, the one thing is I've watched your career. It, I've been hoping is that, you know, you got, you get, you're got get you kind of on that trajectory, you know, bigger and better. And this seems like a, a nice huge step for you. And I, I'm so proud of you. And I haven't listened to Thank and you. watched the music last night. I'm, I'm super proud of the work that you did. And I want to talk to you about the technical side of that a little bit, but certainly want to jump in a little bit with uh, Chris. And uh, note that uh, the film has been in at least a, a couple different film festivals, and you guys have gotten some awards. Uh, can you tell us uh, how you're feeling about the film? And it's just gone out to, to to purchase on digital maybe two or three weeks ago when I picked up, maybe a little longer than that. So where are you at with uh, with this film, and, and how, how are things going with it?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting time, Sam, because it's been a real uh, – you know, labor of love for just about four years. And to be at this actual phase where people, instead of talking about making a movie or being constantly in the process of making the film, we can finally share it with audiences. And we were very fortunate to have about a one year run on the film festival circuit at places such as Cinequest, um, uh, Art of Brooklyn Film Festival, Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, uh, a number of uh, really wonderful uh, fests like around North America as well as the Paris International, et cetera. Anyway, so it was great because they were able to help frame the film and give us a context of the film um, as a participant amongst, you know, uh, this gathering of current films at these events. And we learned what our audience was, we learned how to identify our audience like what was appealing, what messages we could convey, you know to connect with the right people, you know and that helped us that helped kind of prepare us for the commercial release of the film, which we know is like a thousand times more exposure for the movie, which is where we're finally at. and I'm really grateful to be here after this really long process, right from the beginning of getting through that of getting through production with a finished film through the festival circuit and now we're we're available on home video uh on b- many like uh you know major streaming platforms where people can actually see the film. So now we're at that point where it's really about trying to reach out to as many people as possible around the world to let them know, hey, there's this movie Silent River um and you know, this is a, it, it, you know, this is what it's about. This is our inspiration and our love for, uh, for cinema as far as the genesis of the project. And if it sounds like something for you, then we hope you can watch it. You know?
0: So do you have, for those who haven't seen it, do you, ha- do you have kind of a, a minute long elevator pitch about it? Cause I, I don't want to give too much away cause it, it, it's a journey.
2: Yeah. It's tricky as far as not revealing too many of the key plot points and such. But the, the the premise begins with a man who is on a cross-country journey, and he stops over at a remote desert hotel. Uh, and he's on his way to reconcile with his ex-wife, who's moved far away. While he's at the hotel, he encounters another woman who begins to intrigue him. Um, she's another guest at the hotel. Uh, she's up to. Very peculiar business in and around the environment. And he starts to, you know, investigate, and the reason why he's intrigued with her at the outset is because she's in the spitting image of his his ex wife, um, and that's kind of the setup where things start to turn, and we begin to illustrate this other very subjective plane of reality within Elliot, the main character's head. You know. Um, and And it's a film where we try to really use the the vocabulary of the film to fully explore cinematic possibilities in a subjective human experience in something that's relatable right as people, but that can only really be illustrated or shared in the context of the arts. So all of our collaborators I'm getting as we just really wanted to really use the greatest, our greatest abilities, our powers of filmmaking filmmakers and creators to tell something that was original and something that is conceptually challenging, you know, um, to convey, uh, the inner experience that, uh, of, that we go through of trying to navigate the world that can be many times a lonely place, you know, to exist. So that's what, it's, what it is.
0: Oh, that, that's a really awesome recap. Uh, for, for me, the, the, the fun of a lot of movies like this one is, you know, figuring out what the rules are here. Right. And you do such an excellent job of that through the, the tools available to you in, in cinema. And, um, you know, there's, you know, there's environmental things, there's emotional things, there's looks and, you know, the, the actor's capabilities to to keep you on your toes. And I think you mix it up really, really cool there. You know, at one point I was thinking, you know, is, is this whole thing like non-Euclidean? <laughs> what's, what's going on here? And, you know, you start to, to feel, you know, like you, you understand what's going on and then, you know, twist happen again. So I really love that about it. And uh, I, I, I wasn't sure that I could connect with Elliot, uh, but I think I did connect with him at the end. Um, you know, he, he is such a unique main character, and he, you know, he's got problems of his own. He's got baggage that he's carrying both physically and emotionally. And I, I think that that's a really, really interesting story to tell. So, congratulations for that. I, I like the hell out of it. So,
2: oh, thanks. Yeah. And, you know, our lead actor, Wesley Ng, does a really excellent job inhabiting that character. And a big part of the expression of where he's at emotionally and internally is how he interacts with the environment that's why in the in the beginning of the film there is really there's so much expression in just how he's relating to the physical characteristics of his his room you know in the hotel as well as the layout of the, the the shared spaces around the hotel and stuff and that's actually where brian's music plays a huge role as well because you're right it's not all about Elliot's character it's mm-hmm. really about this whole world building that we do yeah and and inherently like brian's music is is a fourth unseen major character in the oh film. wow yeah right yeah
0: yeah i i i, I definitely wanted to, to jump in there but you you're right the the music does it grounds it right it 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 lets you know that you know you're you're still in the story and you've you, you know helps you along to to feel what 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 you're trying to to, to portray in the movie and I, I agree with you I, that completely yeah and
2: sometimes sometimes it contradicts what you're watching That's or sometimes true. it yeah. adds it adds an um om, omniscient voice mm-hmm. right um but uh, yeah absolutely it's it's there to 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 support but also add depth to interpreting uh what we're seeing so I mean, Brian, maybe if Brian wants to chime in on that, I
0: don't know. yeah, Brian, the the music is very unique. I I, I struggle to to try to, you know, to 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 compare it to anything. And you use the three D space uh, available uh, in a, a modern film really really effectively. So can you tell us a little bit about you know how you how you built that out and you know not just the the tools but also the mm-hmm. techniques and what you were going for emotionally
1: sure um you know when when we first saw the movie um kind of as an assembly which was longer than what the final version was um you know it was tempt with some things it was certainly tempt with what i would call more sound design music than melodic music in general and i just knew that with the world building we were doing you know there are while there are we get to make our own rules for this world the same thing applies to the music right and so there was one piece of music that Chris really had a strong connection with. It's a Chopin waltz um that he um kind of didn't tell me I had to include it, but kind of told me, like we're probably gonna play this over the entitle We're you know this is something that I kind of like as a piece. What do you think about it? And so that got me thinking, one, well, let's use this Chopin piece as kind of the the end point that we're going towards and at the at the end credits of the music the Chopin piece plays a lot of the score leading up to that I've kind of deconstructed that Chopin piece so from a melodic standpoint there's elements out of that even if they're one two note three note little motifs that come out of that piece that are in the score second when I think Chopin piece I think piano but of course this world is is very kind of almost dystopian in a way um that or at least we learn that it becomes that um and so there's this instrument called a pianotron which is basically an upright piano you take it out of its box you take off the keyboard and you play it like a percussion instrument so you can that's really cool you know bang on it and bow it and hit it and pound it with with mallets with your hands with all this other stuff it sits up you know kind of year after year getting out of further and further out of tune which adds character to it you <laughs> you hear the clinks and the you know the 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 creaking of the wood and everything and if you know if if i were to go up and record that thing today versus two years ago when we did it it would probably still sound different you know because it changes over time it so, kind of
2: looks it looks like something that you would make in shop back in like sixth <laughs> grade you know yeah. But you weren't allowed to make it on class time. You'd have to come in during the breaks and like <laughs> use the scrap wood that was like in the common dumpster thing. It's like really bizarre looking, but yeah. it sounds beautiful and and it's it's actually highly designed too. <laughs>
1: yeah, and so there's this famed uh, percussionist in LA who has since passed, Emil uh, Richards. You know he it, like. He's the guy that did the Simpsons uh, xylophone, you know, that really fast, oh, gotcha. yeah. you know, all that stuff. And so that's um, that's that's a lot of what he's famous for. He also did, you know, Jerry Goldsmith's Planet of the Apes, you know, and all the the weird percussion stuff going on. And in fact, I believe I was told this piano trauma was actually p- performed in Planet of the Apes. Like that's kind of how long ago this instrument has been around. Um, when he passed, he left all of his percussion instruments with this place up in uh, Valencia called LA Percussion Rentals. And film score composers rent these things and bring them down to the Fox stage or wherever in town, Sony, and use these instruments in their film scores even today. So we took that opportunity and we, we rented out some time and and went up. And I basically created a sample library of this instrument as kind of a foundation that we would build the score around. And so, you know, there's electronics in the score. Of course, you can if you're a composer and you're familiar with sounds and synthesizers, you'll probably pick out certain things that I've used. But an awful lot of the sounds and textures and beds of things that we did came out of that pianotron and then me taking it back and stretching it, playing it in reverse, pitch shifting it, doing weird things to it kind of gave us a, a sound um that we have and and if uh, symbolically again if you think about it it's, it's a deconstructed piano you know playing it not like a piano um so you you have that that as a foundation and you know we have some classical instruments like viola and clarinet and bass clarinet and some fabulous musicians at least musicians that have played on Star Wars and Mandalorian and everything else that's being recorded in LA um are playing on our little film too so we have Phil O'Connor on, on the clarinets and, um, Andrew Duckles on viola. And, um, you know, we recorded them basically one at a time. We, we, we were in post-production during the pandemic on this. So there was a lot of work done kind of people coming over one at a time, sitting in a little room, recording things, and then me putting it all together in the computer to kind of make it sound like we were an orchestra in the room. Uh, but we weren't, you know, we're, That's we're not amazing. a studio picture, you know, we, <laughs> we're a small independent production, um, that is, uh, you know, trying to do the best with what we have. And so, uh, that became, you know, um, kind of our process. And, um, you know, there's elements of this score that are very sound design heavy and then in and almost horror film, like in a way, um, there's elements of the score that I think are intended to be very beautiful. Um, there's even one scene, Sam, I don't know if you remember, there's this, there's, I'm, I'm not giving too much away, but there's a scene where, um, the character of P2, uh, th- plays this music that sounds like a jazz piece with a trumpet, whatever yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that is actually a, a piece of score that I wrote. That is the piano. It's, it is the Chopin theme just arranged and done like a jazz piece played on. And that's me playing the flugelhorn.
2: Um, and <laughs> that's so, amazing
1: you know it sounds like a piece of music you would license out or whatever but it's not it's actually score and it's melodically a f- another arrangement another development of our theme from the movie score um, kind of put into what we're doing although a, n- a regular person out there listening to that probably would not make that melodic connection with what we're doing because i of just how i arranged it so differently but for that scene
0: no i but, didn't um, i didn't catch that at all so that's yeah. that's really cool
1: So, um, you know, and, and it's just, you know, every composer is different in how they score a film, but it's just one process of going through scene by scene, or I don't don't really do things in order per se. I I tend to pick a couple scenes that I'm most inspired by and start there and kind of work out. And if there are elements throughout the score that are similar musically, I, I might jump around and hit all those at a, you know, at a, the, the same week that I'm making my way through so I'm kind of in that same headspace for thematics of what we're doing or whatever. so
0: That's really cool and I, I'm glad that you brought up the the using the percussive instruments for, for melodical uh, themes and things like that because one of the things that I had noted was that it, it I, I was catching bits and pieces that sounded like 70s horror films and you know mm-hmm. e- even back to like the Vincent Price horror films and stuff like that little little stings of you know uh, you know things bouncing out at you and then yeah. and then the the whole atmosphere would change for for you know the the different parts of the journey that Elliot's on so that's really really cool
1: yeah from a technical standpoint and you know you mentioned that we the the film was mixed in five, one surround sound um you know it is that is pretty standard now to have Dolby Digital Surround on a on a theatrical movie even though the film right now you know lives in the streaming digital world um you know we do have a theatrical dcp print you know like it's this this was made we had a small theatrical in los angeles at lemley theaters and so this was mixed you always mix for the largest thing you're going to do and then you pare down from there as you go so this was mixed for a full theatrical print we have the ability to screen it that way and we did screen it that way um having said that you know it was just regular surround and, you know here i am the technophobe of music going regular surround but um we were in five once around it sounds great but we decided and I, when we released a soundtrack for this with the music i said you know no one has a cd anymore no one buys physical cd if they you know apple i Computers don't even come on the
0: drive anymore. Fair, um, fair warning, that might be fighting words at home theater. For yeah. <laughs> well, hey, believe me, I
1: I buy everything on CD if I can. You okay. know, I have a CD, but that's like my life. You okay. know, but sure. most people don't. And so I'm like, well, if I'm if it's not going to make financial sense to go through all the the production and the authoring of a CD, um, how how can we make a digital only release of this special? different and so what we did is we took um the original multi-track that we did for the score and we actually remixed it all the way back from the original elements in dolby atmos so if you go out and get the soundtrack on certain platforms that support it so apple supports it amazon supports it now and title supports it um and if you get the soundtrack, whether you buy it, which would be awesome, but but also if you stream <laughs> Hin, it through your, your your $10 a month plan, whatever that is, and if you have the hardware that supports it, like you're running it through a home theater receiver, let's say, that has Atmos, or if you have the Apple Max headphones or something like that, and you're going through an iPhone or an iPad or a, a fairly recent, I think a recent Mac computer is required for the, for the Atmos computer side, like an M1 Mac or something, but um, if you have the hardware that supports it and you stream that music, you'll get a full real Dolby Atmos mix of this of the score. And it doesn't even exist that way in the film. it It really only exists that way in the soundtrack, which is kind of cool.
0: yeah, that's really um, cool. i I actually had to 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 go look at the Apple specs after I watched it, and i was I was surprised to see that it was just five point one knowing that yeah. you had done the the atmos uh, soundtrack release so that, yeah. that that's really cool
1: i you know i was just testing this out to for myself but i you know i went on to i have an apple tv in my studio and um it's all hooked up to play through all the the big speakers and everything and i um i played my the soundtrack album through my apple tv through my you know being on home theater receiver in dolby atmos and it, everything decoded awesomely so um you know listening to this through the home theater receiver atmos decoder um i'm like yes that works because you know nice. i mean and it, it sounds great in airpod pros and air you know airpod maxes and all that stuff too um which are kind of you know these immersive audio um Weird voodoo magic. That exactly. Apple does get yeah, a yeah. L- little bit of pseudo
0: surround, right? I mean, I exactly. do a really good job of the imaging, but it it's um, it, it. I can't say that it's not no substitute, but 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 it's a different feel for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I I'll take that as homework to actually uh, try to compare the the uh, the actual theatrical to to the Atmos because I I've, I've got the capability of doing that in both uh the the bounce atmos and and true ceiling atmos. So I'll I'll give that a shot sure. soon.
1: Yeah. What what's interesting is that Apple, you know, there's there's a couple different atmos specs for music because we're at the forefront of this. It's it's actually a very very new thing. And Apple requires that you deliver the atmos files in the same spec that film theatrical mixes are in atmos files. So there's there's another atmos format that is pretty much just music and um, but Apple wants the, the movie version of that, even for music delivery, which is, um, interesting. And it tells me, you know, they, they want you to play it through the Apple TV, um, hardware, which is going through people's home theater receiver, which, you know, that, that also makes the music capable, you know, capable for going through that yeah. signal path as so, well. So,
0: so, so I'm not, not a golden ear, but I will ask her, are, are these lossless files? Because it it will matter to some of our uh, nutters on the theater. So form.
1: it it honestly we've delivered full um, wave uncompressed wave PCM files, right? And so and in Dolby Atmos, they are full uncompressed. Um, it's it's a .adm file. It's like a multi-channel wave file, basically. Um, as to which which streaming service uses what format they take it from there and then they all use different formats so i think you know um i could be wrong in these so forgive me if i'm wrong but i think like title uses flack which is a lossless compression scheme still and then you know apple uses um a couple different things for atmos they use this like it's it's like MPAC movie or something. It's 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 this weird format file only for their high definition audio stuff, um, and I think it is considered lossless. Um, and then I'm not sure what Amazon is using, so we don't have control over it. But what we delivered was was the wave uncompressed file.
0: So you send the masters to all of the things, and and, and they're Correct. in charge of how it gets um, sent out after that. That that's really Correct. interesting. Correct. So the. Turning, turning back to Chris, uh, this is your fourth film, and I, I, I will be honest and say I haven't seen uh, your, your previous three. I, I did get a, a little glimpse at Yellow, which I guess is up on some um, third-party sites that aren't exactly uh, legit. Uh, so <laughs> what, what can you tell tell us about your journey and um, uh, ha- how you approach being a director, and what was important to you in the directing experience for this film?
2: Yeah. um, You know, I come from a first generation Korean American family and and I somehow found my path through film school. I came here to Los Angeles uh, to go to USC film school in the mid 90s. And I made my first feature after many attempts and lots of trials and tribulations. Um, In 1997, I released my first independent feature film called Yellow about a group of Asian American teens in Los Angeles and this one harrowing graduation night that they had to go through. Um, you know, I grew up in the eighties, so it was very much inspired by like say John Hughes films or other kind of youth oriented American films. And I wanted to put my spin and my sort of take on it as an Asian American that hasn't, hadn't really seen my story reflected, uh, on screen you know front and center at that time so uh i've been working steadily in independent film as an editor producer i've directed a few other projects a few other features as well as many shorts etc um but through these you know a few decades i've been able to see the world change as well as the changes that i've gone through in, in uh, through the years you know and um and you know, my interests as a filmmaker have been evolving. When I first started out, I was very much focused on the identity film, right? and uh, and f- very much front and center Asian American issues, which are still very important to me. But that sense of infusing an identity a purpose of an identity film in my first film, Yellow. Uh, was where I was at at that point, you know? And I think what's really happened through even very recent years is we've we've been able to see that really blossom. And now Asian Americans really are part of the conversation. And there are many stories to move beyond these very important identity stories, but there's many other things that we could explore. And that for me is the true freedom of an artist, right? Is that ability to really go anywhere that, your your heart brings you towards so um so if, you know somehow through the years i've navigated my way to silent river and along this journey i've been working constantly as a writer editor producer etc and with silent river i really wanted to make a film that showed where i was at now you know in, um circa 2021 2022 sure and um And, you know, I've grown a lot as a person, as a filmmaker, and I wanted to make a film that would fully engage and interest me and my sensibilities and hopefully in a way that could be shared with others in an entertaining way. Right. And, you know, the reason why I got into this business was when I was a kid and I saw David Lynch's film Blue Velvet in in the theater, you know, and I saw that I didn't know what it was going to be like. I had no expectations. And seeing that film in person like changed my world, you know, and made me want to become a filmmaker. And in a sense, Silent River for me was coming back to that that beginning of of wanting to be a creator and to be a world builder and to bring an audience into something that was very specific and subjective. And something that, you know, you could forget about the fact that we're an independent, scrappy, living on low budget film. This film could have only been made by the participants, you know, by our lead actors, by Brian, by the key uh, collaborators like our DP, Norbert Shea, and uh, and lots of other people, Eric Jolly, our sound designer. Um, no one else, no matter how much more or less money they had, could have made this film. It had to have been made By us, And I wanted to really put my stamp on it as a director, you know, and so that's kind of what brought me here was was trying to make something that was very ambitious, that was very well executed, that would have a strong sense of visual narration from beginning to end, you know, and uh, and it was it was that challenge that we were striving to to reach towards.
0: Well, I, I think you succeeded on all those fronts one of the questions that i had for you is that at least one if not two of the reviews that i read called it very lynchian and there there's certainly an element of that but i i i wouldn't say that there might be influence there but 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 no cribbing so what what's your take on the film being called lynchian do, do you take that as praise or do you, do you do you want to say no no this is you know this is my own take on it
2: I mean, you know, I, I am a huge fan of Lynch, but it certainly was not an intentional thing, and we're—I don't think there's anything about it, even in hindsight, that could be said to be directly re- parroting or reflecting something that Lynch has done. I think like I think it does help, though, in a way, calling it Lynchian is a tool, right, of communicating how a sense of the film in a shorthand way, right, and I think. When you think of a Lynch film, you're thinking of a very specific universe that it was has a degree of absurdity to it, sure, but also but also it
0: so, as I was saying before before the the power outage took us out, um I, I I think that fans of Lynch will will love this film, but i I don't think anybody will will watch this and say, "Oh, this guy's trying to be the next David Lynch that there there's nothing there." to to hang that hat on. So I I, I think you've got a unique vision. I think uh, a number of uh, the reviews called this deeply personal. And obviously I, I don't want to dig into your personal background or anything like that, but do you agree with, with that take on it?
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I really wanted to draw from within during, you know, the writing and the planning stages of the film and everything. And Um, and I think there are themes within the film that can be seen, uh, as primary themes in all virtually all of my previous works. So I, those things aren't always intentional by the way, you know, it's just, it's where your heart guides you, right? It's it's the the issues Mm -hmm. or the ideas that you're, you're most interested in or the, that are the most important to you. So I do see that as a recurring, I, I, I do see common themes recurring in life work for
0: sure well i'm gonna have to dig into that back catalog so uh may- maybe that's a topic for another day
1: <laughs> Speaking- i'm hoping one of these days the criterion collection will actually release oh. chris's yellow because it is that significant of a film um, not just for him but i think for filmmaking and the asian american film community in general and i th- i think at this point in history it would actually be a perfect film for criterion to oh that sounds awesome to me that's that's what i'm hoping i don't i don't know how to make that happen but maybe chris has some updates
2: i I would love to do that i mean especially if we have the opportunity to go back to the original masters and such And, and you know it is it would be a great time capsule because it's on the one hand the cast you know it's the very first um feature films of john cho and jason tobin and and many of the other excellent uh new young actors at that time, as well as veteran actors such as Amy Hill and Sunteko. Um, And it it does kind of capture a period, a very specific period of time in Asian America, as well as in films about Asian Americans. So I would love to be able to preserve the, the movie.
0: Well, I don't have any juice with them, but I will tell you that Criterion is a really good friend with the home theater forum and they have hosted me That's and Ron, Ron Epstein up there in their uh, main offices in, in New York. And um, if anybody from Criterion is listening, count, count this as another vote to, to dig into the back back catalog of uh, Chris Chan Lee for sure. So I, I would, I would dig into that. So um, thumbs yeah. up on that. Brian, talking about back Catalog, before you started working on this, or maybe at the same time, you had a deep and abiding interest in being uh, part of the Lord of the Rings on Prime series, and (laughs) I, for one, was really pulling for you to to be a part of that, and very sad that it didn't happen. But now that we've uh, gotten through the full season of Lord of the Rings, do you have any thoughts on you know, how that turned out and how theirs differs from the kind of, uh, direction you were hoping it would go?
1: You know, that, that, that has the potential to be a landmine can of worms, Sam. But I will (laughs) say, you know, I, I, I know the showrunners. I mean, I, I know, uh, you know, J.D. Payne. Um, and I, I, my ability to even submit something to be considered, to work on that show while was probably the long shot of long shots because when you're when you're making a billion dollar show um there's a very short list of people they're gonna put in any department head position you know sure um and so but to even be able to create something to have it be listened to and and considered i mean you know it's i mean how many people you think around can can just submit something and get the showrunner to listen to it on a potential show like that. That's there's not many. So from my mind, the calculation of doing that was, um, look it one, it's an experience too. It's, it's getting my music in front of, of decision maker and people. And even if it's not going to end up being what was meant to be for this show, all those people are going to go on to do other shows, including JD. And
0: so Chris, uh- Again, I, I would never ask an an artist to to give me the backstory on anything, but I'm really intrigued by the role of the stranger in the film. Can you can you tell me a little bit more, uh, without giving away too much?
2: Uh, yeah, Sam, absolutely. I mean, it's it's tricky, so to not give away too much on this one. Yeah. Um, but I, I can tell you that a lot of a lot of the the framework, the unseen framework, or the backdrop of the film is definitely based on mythology, like ancient mm-hmm. mythology. Sure. You know, um, and I think even just saying that is enough. Once you get a taste of his character and watching the film, yeah. Uh, but certainly, like uh, uh, Dakota Loesch, the actor who plays the stranger in the film, I mean, he brings a lot of interpretation to that character. really took ownership you know in inhabiting that skin
0: yeah for sure and character
2: that lives in sort of in this purgatory world right mm -hmm. this transitional world from from our reality our physical world to something else and and he is uh right right there (laughs) yeah so okay um, yeah
0: well i appreciate the little the little peek behind the scenes there because uh I, I would like a movie about just that character because I think there's a lot more going on than what that then gets let on in the movie
2: we we were talking about that with you know it kind of in fun but also it, it's a playful thought is 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 the backdrop of this world that we made does sort of lend itself to a series you yep. know yeah and because there are there are many threads in the story that could be followed or that could be expounded upon, so we do just we do talk about that.
0: Nice. So Brian, um, one uh, one of the things that I've been looking to hear more from you about is your podcast. I, I guess that's on hiatus now. Yeah, we,
1: you know, I used to do the Scorecast podcast, which was a film composer centric thing with um, composer Dean Ogden. Dean, uh, many years ago, kind of was getting out of the film scoring scene and getting more back into his drumming. Um, He's a drummer for David Foster and a lot of his Asian tours and. He's done a lot of drum replacement stuff for like Kelly Clarkson on recordings and everything. So cool. Um, that became more of his world, and he's like, you know, being on a podcast talking about film scoring when I'm not really film scoring feels weird. And so, he ended up leaving the show, um, which he started because he started Scorecast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, I did a couple shows that was just me or just me with a guest host and it just we didn't have the same banter Dean and I had and then the pandemic happened you know yeah. and then that's yeah. kind of an excuse to like you know well things are weird let's not do this and you know and and then all of a sudden now we're 3 years later and uh, almost 3 years later. and you know we haven't had a show so i i think at this point you know that there's still you can still find those shows they're still on uh you know, Apple Podcasts, and if you if you Scorecast online, I think if you search for Scorecast, you actually find like some golf shows or something <laughs> weird. But if you but if you say Score,
0: oh, that sounds like a Siamese.
1: I you know I was going to mention you earlier.
2: Chris has a senior cat. Oh, nice. That is pretty. It vo- is pretty vocal. Yeah. <laughs> he just woke up. That's cool that you mentioned that, Sam. Because I, I you know he's a he looks like a common uh, black cat with like the little white thing on his chest. So a tuxedo? Yeah, a tuxedo yeah. cat, exactly. Yeah. But I do, a Bombay tuxedo cat, actually. Okay. So I do, sus- I do suspect that he has a little bit of Siamese in him because he's mm-hmm. like extremely talkative. Yeah, you know? they're usually so, chatty. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm.
0: before that uh, interruption, Brian, you were telling me about, they're telling us about the James Horner news that you broke
1: score Scorecast was one of the first media outlets i think to really break the story that james horner was scoring the the spider-man movie that he was scoring so um you know which was which was cool we didn't anticipate doing that we were talking with jim hendrickson about avatar and and we just kind of said you know jim hendrickson had gotten to a point in his career where he was pretty much only music editing music editing for james horner and um you know, so we just said, "So, Jim, what's what's next for you? What's what's on your docket?" He, <laughs> he said, they're totally off the cuff. It had never been announced anywhere in in public. And he goes, "Well, you know, James is uh, doing the next <laughs> Spider-Man movie, and we're doing it." And we're like, "Oh my gosh!" Dean and I were like texting each other behind the scenes, and we're like, "Did did he just break news? Like, what? <laughs> So we did our podcast, and it went out and went out on Apple Podcasts and everything else, and it got picked up by like
0: that's amazing
1: entertainment outlets that were like james horner scoring spider-man too and we're like okay so um that was kind of you know weird um well, and cool you, for our show i think that was the most listened to show we had ever done and it was because it had been linked everywhere that that we broke that news well if you guys um, want to break any so industry was, news
0: here i'm, yeah. I'm game
1: <laughs> so it was a cool show to have been a part of and to have done. But yeah, I i think it's kind of running its course. If if I do podcasting again, which I'm sure I will, you know, I would love to do a show with a different bent on it. You know, something mm-hmm. about you know, I'm getting into producing now a little bit too, and, oh. and I teach the business of film music at UCLA in their Extension mm-hmm. University Entertainment Studies program. Um it's a it's a class mostly for composers, but it's all the business side of things. It's not you know, Okay. I'm not so, talking about writing notes. We're talking about contracts and and promotion and working with agents and managers and all that stuff. And so I think I would do a podcast that's probably more centric to the business side of what composers and musicians deal with um, and have guests on that are not necessarily other music people, but more like all the people that us music people interact with, you know, lawyers and
0: well, agents
1: that, and all that.
0: That's amazing. the 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 idea for Home Theater United was to talk to, you know, all different kinds of folks in the business. and I I really hadn't even considered talking to the money guys and the agents and stuff like that. But that sounds like a, a really cool angle on it. So I wish you the best of luck with that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I, you know that's that's kind of what I do in my class at UCLA. And every week we have a different industry guest.
0: Uh, I'm. I don't even. I'm so flustered. I don't even know where we were at. I'm sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs>
1: uh, it was probably some podcast thing. But I think we. I think we're done with it. Okay.
0: All right. <laughs> so, so for those uh, who who aren't in the middle of this chaos, uh, I keep losing power. So we're going to skip to the, the 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 next two final questions. So Chris, you're both the screenwriter and director here what's it, and i guess you're doing some producing and i guess you did work the financing and stuff on on your own for this how, how is it dealing with all of those different hats at once
2: yeah sam it, it's it is a lot of hats and everyone on the show is is has been wearing many many hats um more than you could ever hope or ask or expect them to you know um, i mean amy saying our lead actress is also was also the costume designer and played two roles in the film. Nice. You know? And Wesley Yang was a producer on the film as well as the lead actor. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I wrote, directed, edited. I, I, I'm one of the lead producers on it. Um, I don't even want to get into all the things I've had to do in post, but I've basically been supervising every aspect of it in post as well. And, and it, it's, you know, it's exhausting, but it's like you kind of know what you're getting into when you're doing an independent film. And mm-hmm. that's why it's a hard thing to commit to. It's a hard thing to ask. And you look for really talented, committed people because it's the only way that you're going to get through it. You know?
0: Well, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What's the cat's name?
2: That's Chaco. And, Chaco, uh, nice. He, he's, yeah, he was my assistant editor. Really, definitely a... Uh, uh, more morals, moral support throughout the process. So, uh, I, I, he, he was in,
1: <laughs> I have so Chris, credit- by the way, is literal. He, he credited Chaco. Oh, nice. Assistant editor. Yeah. Like if you watch <laughs> the credits of silent river,
2: yeah. It'll yeah. Assistant Editor, Chaco and that's, that, that. that's Chaco saying, make sure you tell them that I helped you. So
0: well, <laughs> I, I actually have two tuxedos wandering around my legs right now, wondering when I'm, uh, going to get out of here cuz nice. I'm I'm down in my basement recording this so they're they're nice, not used nice. to seeing me down here unless a movie's on the screen. So my final yeah. question is the same for both of you guys. What what's up next for you? Let's start with you, Brian.
1: Um, you know, there was another film that I kind of finished around the same time as Silent River. I was kind of toggling back and forth and it's called About Him and Her. Um, this is a tiny independent film that will has already had a one week theatrical in Los Angeles, but um, its commercial re- release kind of the streaming or digital has not happened yet. It will most likely happen in the first half of 2023 and um, cool. I you know, it is a it is also an amazing film could not be more different from Silent River. Um, it is a love story. it is kind of a um, a, a unique love story about two people who, phone lines get crossed and they end up talking to each other in 1989 you know old school phone like long cord stretched around across the room sure. phone conversation right yeah. and um you know one is in chicago one's in michigan and the phone lines get crossed and they end up having a conversation with each other somehow and that conversation turns into like two non-stop days of talking with each other and um it, you know it's it's a unique film because most of the film is that entire conversation between these two people Wow. Um, okay the film you know outside of a couple ancillary characters the film only has these two people in it um one unique thing about the film is that and i don't i don't want to give away the 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 crux of this film that that is why this happened but the actors in the film did not meet each other during the production
0: oh that's really cool but
1: but they were in the room together at at one point and they were having scenes together at one point but they did not know who each other was and they did not see each other until the world premiere happened. um, That's amazing. Well, keep
0: keep us at Home Theater Forum and Home Theater United up to to speed on that.
1: I will. It's called About Him and Her. And um, it is an amazing film that feels like a real slow burn. But by the time you get to the end of the film, I promise you, you will be cheering for these people and you will be in tears and, and it still hit, it still hits me and I've seen it on teen times because i working on it and I just don't, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a happy movie. You just got to get to the end where it's happy. You know, okay. it's, you gotta get, you gotta, you gotta invest.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, and, and you got to get in with it. And then by halfway through the movie, you're like, I'm, I'm in. Nice. You know, and then, um, and that's the challenge by the way, And I know Home Theater Forum members will know this. The challenge is, you know, it's so easy for us in the digital streaming world to not give a film and not invest, give a film its time. Because you get five minutes in, you're like, eh, it's too slow. And you click because it's so easy to click. Whereas it used to be you would drive across town, (laughs) take your date out to dinner, you buy dinner. You'd, you'd go to the theater, you'd buy your popcorn and soda to sit down. You'd sit down at the theater and then the movie would start and it would be slow, let's say. But you're like, but we've already invested. Like we drove across town. We're, we're you know, and y- you don't easily turn it off as much, yeah. right? Because you, you, you vested hours. Yeah, yeah. So and don't forget, don't
2: party. forget the previews and the commercials. You skipped yeah. all that stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's so like you, you. You invested in the movie, and therefore, if, if the movie kind of, you know, if if it didn't suck you in in the first three minutes, but by the end of it, you're like, wow, that was different or that was impactful, like, you got it because you stayed to the end. And now, you know, you're on Netflix and you're on these other movies. It has changed how movies are made because I think filmmakers now, they, you know, it's too easy for us to click off and to not invest yeah. and to not give in to films that kind of fall out of what is considered normal for film storytelling and, and everything else it's like yeah. it it doesn't hook you in five minutes it's like eh, next so i you know i and i know home theater forum is a great audience for this but you know i i encourage you when you see seek out independent films and different films and films that are trying to break the mold you know invest invest yeah. your time in in it and usually it will pay off in much different ways than a Marvel movie will, you yeah. know, which got that chasing and within the first five minutes <laughs> and all oh. that, that other stuff. So I back you. 100%, um, that's why.
2: That's that's why I was saying to Sam at the very beginning. When we were talking. It's like thank you for watching this film. You know, th- thank you for spending two hours of your time when you watch Silent River because. You know, or about him and her, for that matter, if 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 where you watch that film, because we have so many things vying for our attention these days. You know, our devices, like mm-hmm. and everything, like it it takes quite a commitment to just sit down and like spend two hours or 90 minutes on on one specific thing.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, and and I've gotten that ADHD kind of thing going on with games pulling, books pulling, movies pulling. Music pulling, you know, real life pulling. So I, 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 I tip my hat to anybody who's able to, to build something that they're, you know, that that is a part of them, you know. So that that's great. And I, you, you were thanking me for watching your film, but it was it was time well spent. and I really enjoyed it. So, what's next for you, Chris?
2: Well, you know, believe it or not, there's still some things that we're wrapping up with Silent River because we're still. Working on spreading the word mm-hmm. about the film yep. uh, since it's in its first several weeks of release. Uh, by the way, if you want to know more about the movie and where you can find it on video on demand, you could go to SilentRiverMovie.com. That's our website, and there's um, a now you know now available uh, link uh, from the front page where you could see the various outlets. We're on like Apple TV. Uh, you can get it on Amazon, um, Comcast, a bunch of other places. So it's, it's a good place to find info, silentrivermovie.com. And after this, Sam, I am hoping to take a short break and then make my next movie uh, or possibly uh, do some series work or something. But I have some ideas or, in fact, I have some scripts of the next project that I'd like to make and, um, with, you know, love to start this process all over again hopefully with more resources on the next one
0: well, you know that's awesome when you're when you're ready please uh, keep us in mind and we'll we'll definitely get the word out and cheer you on from the sidelines i got to ask no, uh, cuz uh, the the home theater forum guys will hit me with a pitchfork if i don't ask is there any plans to have a uh, a physical release
2: um yeah actually we're still exploring what's going on as far as Blu-ray and such, but you can get the DVD um, you know, um, on Amazon right now, the physical disc. And okay. I think it will be available at some retail places. yet. I'm not sure what shelves are carrying them yet, but it's being released through Gravitas Ventures. So right now you could go to Amazon, look up Silent River DVD, and it'll be there. Nice. Uh,
0: Nice, and I, I know that we've got folks that will, uh, will will definitely prioritize that physical release, so that that'll That's make awesome. them happy. Um, well, I, I thank you guys both. Uh, you're you're willing to give me a couple more minutes and play a little game here?
2: Yeah, let's yeah, do why
0: it. Not. Why not? Awesome, awesome. Well, regular listeners of the podcast will know that. Every time we get new guests on, we we like to ask them to play a little game with us called Good, Bad, and Ugly. Uh, Good, Bad, or Ugly. And uh, today, uh, our two guests have made their picks. They've slogged through at least four different power outages here, so I appreciate that. And uh, who wants to go first?
1: I'll go. Why not?
0: Okay, Brian, what you got?
1: Uh, Uh... Th- this is probably a biased choice because i think you know chris was involved in this so uh but he was not director it's not one of his films um a film called jasmine
0: okay and so based it on
1: was uh, released by indican pictures okay and, and uh, which is a division of lionsgate basically um and um was 2016 i think is when it It came out twenty fifteen. It was kind of doing its festival run and all this other stuff. It stars Jason Tobin and Byron Mann is in the movie. Um, It is a thriller, for sure. Um, Shot in Hong Kong.
0: Oh, okay. So. Um, All right. Don't give too much away now, Brian. All right, but I, I have not seen the film. Uh, I'm assuming that <laughs> Chris has seen it many, many times. Uh, but based on what you know about Brian, do you think he found it good, bad, or ugly? And I think there's only one obvious choice here, Chris. <laughs>
2: uh, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, you know, Brian did sound like he's vouching for the film, um, and I think it, it is a. I, I, I I'm really grateful to be involved with it uh, in in a certain way. But, uh, you know, huge props to the writer-director, Dax Phelan, that's his first feature as a director. Um, He's produced and written many other films. And um, I think, you know, I I could vouch for that film just because uh, uh, it has a really compelling vision behind the storytelling. And it feels kind of Hitchcockian in a way you know um and uh and the performances are excellent and there's a lot of sort of minimalistic uh drama that's created because it has a very sort of vibrant quality to it you know um so that's a good one yeah i'm down with that all right (laughs) although i I am biased so
0: yeah (laughs) i i am unbiased but i i am a um a prognosticator here, so I am gonna say that Brian also found it good. What what's the scoop, Brian?
1: That would be correct. Okay. So,
0: what I, did you, you know, like about I, it?
1: There, there is, um, as I put it, now this is me interpreting, so this is not everybody would. say. There's a an M Night Shyamalan like twist in in this Jasmine movie, uh, Dex Feelings Jasmine, but to me the the problem in me saying it that way too is that i I feel like like M Knight's movies have such a twist that they make it it's hard for me to want to rewatch them, right? Um, it's like like they're they're amazing when you first watch them, you get sucked in and there's a twist, and you sit there with a gasp, and you're like, <gasps> you know, but but then the next time you watch it, you you know. so you don't you don't get the same hit and you don't get anything. There's something about Jasmine to me that is compelling every time I've watched it. Um, and I, I re, you, despite the fact that there, you know, there's um, something that will change your perspective um, towards the end of the movie. Um, and so I, I, I just think it's a really well done movie. Um, and then also coming over the years to learn how they filmed it and how they shot it. And there's an awful lot of guerrilla filmmaking <laughs> in, in Jasmine and just kind of, you know, going to Hong Kong without permit and the crew of three or four and just shooting some stuff. You know, it's like there's a, there's an awful lot of that and how they pulled it off. Um, and it does not look like that at all. I mean, the film looks great and um You know, Chris is biased because Chris edited the movie, uh, even though, you know, it's a Dax Phelan written and directed uh, movie. So um, I I think they did a fantastic job on that movie, and I would encourage everyone to check it out. It is also available on uh, Apple TV and the Amazon Prime type stuff. Um, I'm not sure if there's a it's a I think it still has to be purchased or rented, but it's uh, I promise you it's worth it. um, And it's not that much. Um, so it's called Jasmine,
0: okay. directed I, by Dax Feeling. I will definitely add it to my two uh, C list, which is probably about three hundred <laughs> films long. But we'll we'll put it up there near the top. So you you mentioned Hong Kong. I'm, my movie is also a Hong Kong movie, but an, apparently a very very different genre. So I'll I'll jump in here and say that my movie is Infernal Affairs. It's a two thousand two Hong Kong action thriller. Uh, and it was remade as The Departed in the US. Have either of you guys seen either version?
1: I have seen The Departed. I have not seen Infernal
2: Affairs. I saw Infernal long enough ago that I can't remember a lot of it. Um I've watched The Departed a few times recently, so I like both films actually quite a bit. You know, I just don't remember I couldn't tell you beat for beat what happens in Infernal mm-hmm. Affairs, but I remember liking it, but I think I enjoyed *The Departed* more.
0: <laughs> uh, that's fair. I, I I will tell you just a little bit about the film. Um, it's it's essentially the same plot as *The Departed*. A um, a gang, uh, whether it be you know Boston or Hong Kong, gang yeah. uh, infiltrates the police training academy and puts one of their own in, and so it's it's a kind of mole versus mole thing. So there's moles from the police in the gang and gang and moles from the gang in the police now, and who's going to come out on top. Right. And it's now, it was made into a trilogy and I'm reviewing the trilogy and I'm way, way behind in getting my review into home theater for, mm. which is not a reflection on whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Sure. Sure. So, based on what you know about me, which is very, very little, what do you guys think? Did I find it good, bad, or ugly? From what I know
1: about you, Sam, I would say good because I, I would think an obs- to me an obscure film from a North America perspective. You would, you would probably probably prefer original versions of things you would probably prefer um you know like if you knew departed was based on this you would probably seek out and want to read that and you would probably enjoy the original version so to speak that would probably be my guess for you
0: that's fair that's fair what do you think chris
2: oh um hmm, interesting how far into it are you? Oh, um,
0: I I watched the first of three, and I will note wow. that th- this may influence your answers. It, it It is part of a Criterion Collection release.
2: <laughs> and ha- have you seen The Departed as well? Because I want to know if you're... Yeah. I,
0: I, I can't say.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I'm learning. I'm still learning the rules. Sure. <laughs> well, we make the
0: rules up as we go along, and the points don't okay. matter. So
2: perfect. I like yep. to do that. Yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah. It's. I have little to go on right now, but I would say I love to play Contrarian, but I do think that you like it so far. That's my gut.
0: Yep. So. Okay. Fair That's enough. Uh, it. I. I love this version, and I, and I. I cannot without re-watching The Departed, and I have seen it, say which I preferred. But they are very similar uh, in, um, you know, beats, shall we say, if not the actual contents. But it's t- it's tense, uh, it's funny, uh, it's got good action, and uh, it spawned a whole genre of, uh, you know, a, 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 a different flavor of the Hong Kong action movie thing um that, mm-hmm. that we know so well so i i like it and recommend it awesome yeah it's a good so one give it give it mm-hmm. a shot good to can't know. go wrong with the criteria well you can kind of go wrong with the criteria and there's a few stinkers in there but for the most <laughs> part 90 percent plus a triple a mm-hmm. nice all right awesome. so um which uh, brings us to chris
2: Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I had a few things I wasn't really committed to anything, but this is not a two hander. But I do want to say that uh, the film that Brian was talking about earlier about him and her I have nothing to do with that project, but I'm friends with Brian and friends with Dax Phelan, who was executive producer on it. And so I went to just go see. preview screening of that film in the theater and it is really a remarkable independent film like it's totally you just get i was hooked in five i was like okay five minutes in i'm enjoying this ride they got me you know Mm -hmm. i i I felt like i was in good hands and it's a really fun movie with fantastic performances beautiful cinematography i think what i i don't know how to position the film because i have nothing again like i'm just like a in the an audience member but Um, For me, it captures the spirit of the 80s without being, you know, my like without being like, you know,
0: stranger things
2: (laughs) cut cut off or whatever. Yeah, like it's like like very sort of aware and present in in terms of like where we are now. And um, but there's sort of there's a there's an innocence to this young love this this is the possibility of young love, you know, and you just really get into it and and and, and the performances are incredibly charming. Um, okay, so I have one that everyone has seen because I uh, I, I don't know exactly, the, the more recent ones I, I'm not really ready to talk about, but this is a film that basically everyone has seen. So um, everything, everywhere, all at once.
0: Okay, so I will note that I just reviewed this for Home Theater Forum.
2: Okay, so I didn't hear or read or listen to that one yet. So, okay.
0: no, th- th- that's uh, written only. So, and then it's relatively okay, good. brief. So, okay. um, yeah, so, yeah. so, Brian, you've seen this one? I have not. Okay. It or not well that that's okay. even be- that's even better so yeah so i have seen it but don't really know chris well and you haven't seen it and do know chris a lot better than you than i do so i'm gonna let you guess first whether you think it was you think he thought it was good bad or ugly
1: i actually haven't talked with chris about this film much i think i i think we talked about it coming out and going to see it, but I didn't. I'm going to think Chris. Appreciates the wackiness of it, but I'm going to think that Chris. Doesn't love the movie, but I don't think he hates the movie. I think Chris actually finds something to like about a lot of movies, Mm. but, um, but I think. I'm going to say for Chris, it was more of a miss than a hit. Okay, if, so that's, if I'm if I'm, I'm not trying to play both sides of it, but
0: wow, because because I was I was trending towards saying that this was a home run for Chris. Uh, I <laughs> I I did love everything every, everywhere all at once, and I was on board with the absurdity from the start. Um, and it too has a good soundtrack. It's beautiful has an amazing cast, uh, but it does hit emotionally where people might not be expecting it to in the end. Hmm. I'm still going to go with good. So where are we, Chris?
2: Yeah, so it was an interesting experience seeing that film, and I saw it in the theaters. Um, and you guys are both not wrong in any way, and um, but it may be really like, aware of various kind of mixed feelings that I had about the film. That being said, great performances, some really fresh ideas in the storytelling, um, amazing filmmaking. Like, I was in awe of the filmmaking. And I've been fans of the Daniels for a long time. I I saw, saw a few of their shorts, like, from many years back and stuff like that. So the the whole, everything that they executed is just like amazing. Like So I, I recommend the film. I think people should, if you haven't already seen it, it's like a huge hit, right? But I I, I could totally recommend the film. But I guess the reason why it was a head scratcher for me was I was like oddly kind of bored during the action sequences, you know, but then when we got to almost like the cutscenes in between or, 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 you know, but when we got to really flesh out more of the story and the characters, like I was really involved and I think I cried like four times in the movie <laughs> while watching it, you know, it was wild. I'm a crier.
0: Yeah. So, so I'm with you on that. So. Gotcha.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The family story was amazing and, and the performances. I I think the reason why the action stuff didn't work for me, because I do love action films mm-hmm. um, was because, that, the, with the metaverse th- component literally anything could happen it felt like yeah that, and because yeah. of that you know to me that lessened the impact of, of those proceedings so okay well I, but I, you know i know maybe i just saw it in the bad day i've only seen saw that one time a maybe it was just a bad day for me because because maybe if i was in the right mood that actually could have just been really fun and i could just like not try to overthink it and just go with it, you know, a little bit more. But, um, that, I don't know why I was just a little bit bored and that's, that's part of the content. Well, I've, but it was amazing. It was amazing. I
0: I've been there too. I've been the one guy that will be in a theater and this, this happened on a home theater forum visit to Vegas. I was the one person in the, the live theater for the Beatles love I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And everybody's cheering and dancing and going along with it. And I'm going, I, I, I hate this. I hate it completely. Yeah. So so I, I, I know how that can can pop up for you. So give it another gotcha. shot.
2: Yeah, and that that's an extreme case. Cause like I said, I do yeah. I am I do think it's an amazing film. Yeah. It's just um I, I I wish I I don't know why I just had certain reservations and I found it peculiar. Was something that was so polished and mm. well executed, you know. So yep. it was. It was a weird. Usually, I feel like strongly one way or the other, a hundred percent. So,
0: well, that's that's really cool. I I appreciate your perspective, and I want to say thank you to both of you guys for joining me tonight. This has been an amazing uh, conversation. I've learned a lot. I'm really looking into uh, digging into your uh, film history. And I wish you all the success with this film. Hopefully uh, it makes it to, um, you know, to bigger and bigger audiences as time goes on. And uh, I, if nothing else, I can say I really, really loved uh, both the story, but also the, the, the sound and the sound design. And you guys hit it out of the park with that. So Brian, well done. Chris, well done. And uh, count me in for the rest of your journey.
1: Thank you, Sam.
2: Thanks, Sam.
0: Well, uh, any final words as we uh, head on out of here? Things that you want folks no, to look you at, know, or happy, hol- happy holidays, everyone. I mean, yep. you know,
1: go go watch some good movies. That, you know, um, support independent film.
0: Yeah, you know, support I, independent. I think film, if yeah.
1: you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna want to have. Studios and even non-CEOs take risks on stories and things. You know yeah. they they've got to see that it's financially advantageous. And the way to do that is that we go see them. We go into the theater and we see them. We we buy them. We invest in them. We you know. And um, otherwise, we're just going to get a bunch of superhero, tentpole movies because yeah. that's what makes money. So it's you know support, support, independent movies. Support, movies. You know, that are not Marvel movies. I love Marvel movies, <laughs> but you know, there are other
2: movies.
0: There's so it. much more to life than, uh, than superheroes. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Chris? Yeah. Thanks everyone for your time. Happy holidays. And I I totally have to agree with Brian. Like yeah, please support independent film and and the very nature of having us here as guests is doing so. So I I appreciate this very much. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed your film, and I look forward to more. So thank you both, and we'll see you all next time. Night.
2: Bye. Thank you. Bye.